Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of a very stable podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Reed. I'm excited to be back with you all for this season. Looking forward to talking about the Colts this year, week in, week out. I'm going to be your Wednesday host here on Stampede Blue Podcast Network. So if you give us a follow, my name, at Nice Reed Steve, Reed, R-E-E-D, on the Twitter machine. You can follow the podcast at a very stable podcast. Follow at Stampede Blue. Go ahead and give us five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. So on today's episode, we're going to start off. We're going to talk about the Houston Texans game, a couple of news bits. We're going to take a, a brief interlude in there in the middle to talk about something that's really important to me. And then we're going to kind of preview what we've got going on with Jacksonville next week. So first off, I want to start this off by saying thank you to Homefield. They were a clothing apparel company that the Colts have partnered with. They sent me a shirt, and it is one of the softest shirts that I have in my my whole personal collection. It is wonderful. It feels great. It's a 50% cotton blend. It's one of the retro logos that says for the shoe on it. It's just a wonderful shirt. I highly recommend going to their site, checking out all the options they've got. I know a couple of other Stampede Blue contributors. They've gotten ones with blue on them, given that stiff arm that he's known for uh, when he goes up against the Pee Wee Little League guys. So I would highly recommend going and popping in over at home field and taking a look at what they've got to offer. So I want to start this show when we're talking about the Colts. Just first to say a big congratulations to Quentin Nelson. He just signed a four-year, $80 million contract. Uh, I think it's like $60 million over the first uh, three years. And his cap hits are like $10 million this year, $13 million next year, and then bumps up to like $25 million in that third and fourth year. So I'm really excited for him. Congratulations, Big Q. You deserve it. You set that tone on that offensive line. I think that it's going to be a huge contract for you, and you, again, deserve every penny of it. So congratulations, Big Q, on that. Now, Let's get to something that's a little bit more, uh, let's say, depressing, like meh feeling. We're going to talk about that Houston Texans game. Obviously, the score ended up 20-20 tie. I'm sure you've heard different things from different people about, about how it went. So the big thing that I want to talk about this game is from the start, it, it looked like the Colts really struggled out the, out the gate. And, and this has been a pretty consistent theme in Frank Reich's tenure is that he doesn't for whatever reason, start the season well. And whether that's a lack of playing time for the starters in the preseason, whether they're just not doing something to motivate the guys before the game, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I just have gotten really frustrated, I think, with fans, everybody. We've, we've kind of been really frustrated with how the Colts have started. And it's not just this year. It's 
They've had slow starts um, pretty consistently under Frank Reich. So I, there's something there uh, that it, it's troublesome because there's only so many times that you can come back from 17 down and and really have a shot. Now with Matt Ryan there at quarterback versus Carson Wentz, you feel a little bit better about that. It's still a little bit concerning. The other thing that bothered me with Frank Reich this week was that fourth down play call, fourth and two there in the, the second quarter. And generally, I think that's a good time to go for it. That said, I think the play call was questionable at best. Uh, you don't run the wildcat there with Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor when you've got Michael Pittman clicking. You've got some good tight ends there that can give the, the Houston Texans defense trouble. And you've got Jonathan Taylor, the 2021 rushing leader, right there in your backfield that you can really lean on so I was a little frustrated that they went with the wildcat formation there. I think that they could have, if that was their play call, I would have rather them kick the field goal. I think that that's pretty pretty self-explanatory. They kick that field goal there. It's a chip shot field goal that even if the hold is bad, Rodrigo Blankenship nails through. I don't think that that's in question. I really do question them going for it with that play. I don't question them going for it in general, but that play call was really bad. Now, the other issue I had was they, the defense looked a bit confused uh, to start the game. They, they started off in those first three quarters, and it looked like they were just missing assignments. I don't know whether the linebackers were in the wrong position, whether they were having some issues there. Uh, they picked on Kenny Moore a little bit in this game, which I thought was interesting just because Kenny is such a solid cornerback right there. So I was a little bit surprised that they went after him in this game, and they were able to pick on him, which is kind of wild to me because – he really seemed to struggle in this defense, which is just kind of weird because Kenny, Kenny's once he got that Pro Bowl nod last year and got announced, it seemed like his play dropped off. So I'm hoping that that's just an aberration. These last three games have just been a little bit of a struggle for him, and it's not to, to show what's coming up in the future. Now, I want to point out that they had a great fourth quarter. Both the offense and defense had a, just a phenomenal fourth quarter. You saw Quiddy Pay really get pressure. You saw that defensive line really take over. You saw the corners make some great plays. Stephon Gilmore, I, to me, I think that he was a, a pretty good shutdown corner. Uh, again, the issue with the Colts defense looked to me like it was the linebackers because they had a lot of trouble covering O.J. Howard. And the Houston Texans just kind of took a play from the New England Patriots playbook and just tried to dink and dunk their way down the field, which they did pretty successfully through the first three quarters. And then finally the defense seemed like it started to click together and really had the Houston Texans kind of on the ropes. So I was excited to see them come up big in that fourth quarter, specifically Quiddy Pay. You saw EJ Speed with a big rush. And this also shows just how important Darius Leonard is to this defense. He changes this defense so much. Like we were sitting there watching this game saying, man, the Colts really need a turnover. And then you kind of look on the field and say, but who's going to get it? Thankfully, EJ Speed came through, was able to get that fumble. Uh, Darius, um, DeForest Buckner was able to hop on that that fumble and, and get that turnover, which is huge. It was the turning point in the game, I think, for the Colts to give them an opportunity to score quick there and then be able to put them in position where under two minutes they could score another touchdown for the tie and give themselves a chance. Then, of course, Rodrigo Blankenship gets in that situation and then kicks a just a doink off, like lands at the two and goes out of bounds. Like, you can't do that, man. Like, that's, that's one of those plays that you just can't do 
in that situation with like 157 left, 145 left there in the, the game. And you have an opportunity to pin them in the end zone. Don't give them a run back. Put them at the 25-yard line. Know that your defense is playing phenomenal at this point and make them drive that 40, 45 yards, 50 yards to get themselves into a long field goal range. You cannot potentially kick it out of bounds. And so that was really like that first strike for Rodrigo in this in this game. The Houston Texans obviously get the ball to start the, the start overtime. Rodrigo again kicks it out of bounds. Thankfully, the defense came up big in this situation, got the ball back for the offense. Rodrigo gets an opportunity with a 42-yard field goal, and he Vanderjacks it. I said there after the game or on Monday, he just Vanderjacked it. He had a kick and he just shot it off so far right that I the camera had to pan over to see where it landed. That's how far off it was. So it's really frustrating for him in that situation because if you watch that replay and you actually look at the field goals and extra points that he made, you see that the ball is straight up and down on the field goals and extra points that he made on that specific kick, that 42-yarder that he missed in overtime to win the game. The ball was significantly tilted towards the holder. And remember, Hack got in there, and this is kind of his first like real game action, actually holding the ball for a Rodrigo Blankenship. So there's a lot of jitters that come in with teams and being able to produce on the spot. And so Matt Hack came in, looks like he struggled a little bit in terms of holding uh, on that play. It's tough because Rodrigo's the one that takes the blame on it, but really that was the icing on the cake after he'd gone and had two kickoffs that went out of bounds, giving the Houston Texans great field positions with opportunities to win the game. Again, thankfully the defense saved him and everything. I've said all these negative things. I want to point out some great things that happened in this game. You saw Michael Pittman Jr. just kind of go off. So I was really excited to see him go and have just a really big game. You see he had nine receptions for 121 yards, one touchdown. He had big plays. Matt Ryan and he were obviously clicking. That was huge. Matt Ryan had a great game despite that one interception that he had. He had 352 yards on 32 for 50 passing. That's a little high number. You don't want to see that from a quarterback. But remember, when they're down at 17 points going into the fourth quarter, Quarterback's got a pass, and Matt Ryan was able to, to maneuver the team down the field twice to score touchdowns to bring them into the game. The interception was kind of fluky. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes made a great play on that. He was able to tip the ball up, get the interception. It's kind of sad because as a Colts fan for ages, people remember Jerry Hughes was a former Colt. And Ryan Grigson, again, Arguably the worst general manager in NFL history, no matter what Dan Dockett sits here and tries to tell you. Went and traded Jerry Hughes, who has now been in the league for something along the lines of over a decade. Uh, was a protective tap pass rusher, was able to get that interception. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Grigson traded him away for a backup middle linebacker that played for a year and was cut. So thanks, Grigson. That was awesome. You totally screwed over the franchise on so many levels. But yeah, that's another one to add to the list. Uh, but yeah, Matt Ryan had a great, great day. One thing I would be concerned about is that communication with Ryan Kelly. It seemed like Matt Ryan and, and Ryan Kelly were having some issues. 
That might be because the protection for the offensive line for the Colts were having some issues. So Matt Ryan might have had a little bit of a jittery feet trying to get himself out from under center to get that ball away quickly because he knew exactly where he was going with it. And so that might be part of it. So we'll see how that how that comes out. Jonathan Taylor, again, had a great game, 31 carries for 161 yards. You really kind of want to see those numbers come down in terms of his attempts. I know people, any Colts fan that drafted number one in their fantasy draft took Jonathan Taylor or, or you should have taken Jonathan Taylor. Let's put it that way. You want to see those carries stay up that high because he's going to get those yards and that touch those touchdowns. It's going to be huge for you. I would say that you really kind of want him to lower those numbers for the long term. A couple of other surprises uh, that I thought played well for from my perspective. I thought Michael Strawn, even though he only had a couple couple balls come his way, I thought he played well in those limited snaps. Alec Pierce, he was getting separation from from uh, defensive backs. The issue with him was the concentration in the hands. I mean, shoot, if he catches that ball, we're not even talking about that fourth down call, uh, that fourth down wildcat, because it's a touchdown. Colts go up 10-7. This is a very different game, and I don't think the Texans recover from that. So that one's that one's a little tough. Again, I thought you know the defensive line, Grover Stewart, was blowing up plays. Nick Cross played 100% of snaps on defense, so that was good to see. And for the most part, it doesn't seem like the Colts had any major injuries coming out of this game. So that was another positive. All right. So I want to kind of switch gears on you. I want to bring up the topic that I want to bring up a topic that's important to me. And it's uh, two daughters uh, that were it, it's I want you to go to the website, Abby and Libby dot org. These girls, Abby uh, Williams and Libby German, they were I don't know how many people know this story but they were it's the delphi murders um also called the snapchat murders like that but their murderer it was done in, in 2017 their murderer is still at large if you have any information about that please go to abbyandlibby.org check it out on the bottom of the page there's an email address there's a tip line if you have any information i believe that there is also a uh, reward for anybody that can provide information to help them find and capture the suspect so please go to abbyandlibby.org, get the word out. Let's try to solve this cold case. I know Colts Nation, if you know anything about this or have heard anything about this, please reach out, tell the tip line, send an email, let, let people know. Um, don't sit on information. Let's try to solve this if we can. All right, so I wanna get into the next game. So Colts now go to Jacksonville next week. Jacksonville had a pretty good game against the Washington Commanders and former Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had a good game there. He he threw for 400 or uh, four touchdowns. He had two interceptions which ended up being on consecutive plays, which is that's so Carson right there to throw back-to-back interceptions on consecutive plays. Uh, but overall he ended up playing well in Ron Rivera's system, which is something that I had predicted uh, if you listen to any of the podcasts that I had been a guest on and over the past year specifically after Carson Wentz got traded to Washington, I thought that he would actually do really well in Ron Rivera's system. It seems like that's the case. It seems like he's played pretty well. Four touchdowns, two interceptions, which Carson's going to Carson. He had 313 yards, 27-41. It's a pretty Carson stat line. And he was able to pull off the win, get a 24-yard pass to Johan Dotson, which... 
I don't know if anybody cares, but I drafted Johan Zotzen on my Dynasty League team, so I'm very happy about that too to see him getting some play, getting some action early in the career. So Colts play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville put up pretty good game. Trevor Lawrence was not spectacular. They didn't have much of a running game. James Robinson was actually the leading rusher for the the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. So that was a bit of surprise. You figure that Travis Etienne would kind of take that over since James Robinson is coming off an Achilles injury. And the first running back that comes back and is still explosive out of Achilles injury would actually be the first running back that that ever happens to. There's if you look at the the just the general numbers in that game, you've got James Robinson had 66 yards. Travis Etienne had four carries, but he had 47 yards on this carry. So he had a big 27-yarder. So the other one was three for 20. Um, so about six yards a carry, which is pretty darn good. I mean, when you think about it, I don't think he's going to get those types of numbers against the Colts defensive line. I'd like to think they're going to be a little bit better there. Uh you look at the receiving thing, and this is the this is the part that really concerns me about this team. Or the Jacksonville Jaguars present a couple problems for the Colts, and I'm a little concerned about it in terms of the receiving department. So Evan Ingram is athletic that can make plays. He had four catches for 28 yards. Doesn't sound great. Problem is the Colts without Darius Leonard or without Shaquille Leonard. I'm gonna have issues with that this entire time. So. Bear with me while I get that name figured out. Uh, but Evan Ingram is going to potentially cause some problems for the Colts. It's uh, similar to the way O.J. Howard caused some problems for the Colts. Hopefully the defense gets that figured out. They get their cues right. They get their safety help if that's what they, they call for. But the main guy that I'm really concerned about for the Colts is Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk had six receptions for 117 yards and an average of 19, 19 and a half yards with a long of 49. So he's a big play machine. He almost played exclusively out of the slot. The why I'm concerned about that is because Kenny Moore in this defense hasn't been spectacular in that first game. And you watch the film and in the Houston game, you kind of question as to why call a couple of those defensive pass interferences. I thought they were a little bit ticky tack. So I was surprised when I saw the first first one that called. I was like, well, the, the offensive wide receiver like had his hand pushed out and on Kenny's shoulder pad. I don't know how that's defensive pass interference, which led to the immediate touchdown to O.J. Howard. I think it was the next play uh, where, where Houston scored that. But it was a big penalty. It was, it was probably on second or third down. I think it was like second and 17 or, or third down. It, it was a big play, if not called. And then that other the other uh, pass interference call that was, I want to say, Brandon Cooks just literally ran into Kenny um, right there at the at Kenny's spot, just lowered his shoulder and went into him, and then they throw the flag on Kenny. And I'm going, how is that a flag on on him? That this doesn't this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I don't know what's going on here. Kenny's got to step up in this game. He really does. Christian Kirk is a really he's a top tier slot receiver and so i want to see kenny come in and and play well i think that he's got it in him he's got that dog in him i want to see him come out and play hard get it taken care of and really push christian kirk to the limit so that's that's my my big concern and and something that i'm looking forward to on it the other thing that i'm concerned about with jacksonville is they've got a pretty darn good pass rush and 
as you saw against Houston, Houston has a very good defense. Uh, I don't want to discount that. They're, they're very good defense. But Jacksonville has given the Colts trouble over the past couple years, basically like every year in Jacksonville. And the Colts struggle there. I don't know why, but they do. The defensive line for the Jaguars is really, really good. And so my concern about this is that the offensive line struggled against the Houston Texans. The Jacksonville Jaguars are so much better. And so they need to figure out what's going on in the offensive line. Because like Ryan Kelly and, and Braden Smith had bad games uh, against the Texans. Braden Smith got just crushed um, by Jerry Hughes. Like he was, it, it wasn't even, I think that was probably one of the more frustrating things for Matt Ryan is, is he was getting pressure up the middle and in his face and then on his right side and on his left side, because Matt Pryor was hardly doing anything either. Like at this point, I really want to see the Colts and Frank Reich put in Bernard Raymond in there because they were started doing like these swap things where they're going to give Raymond like seven snaps a game and they're going to have him in certain packages and all this, that, and the other, just play him, just give him snaps. Like it's clear you like him and he wasn't terrible in the preseason and he's not going to get any better and really contribute to you unless he gets snaps. It's clear that you don't think Pryor is leaps and bounds better than him. So just play him. Just put Raymond in and let him play and let him get used to it. And yeah, there might be a couple hiccups, but you're better off letting him play now. So then when you play against the Tennessee Titans, when you really like need that, you know, it's... I guess maybe because Jacksonville is a more experienced defensive line, you want to go ahead and, and let Pryor get a couple more snaps, but Pryor struggles with speed. And so that's my that's my concern because they've got some legit rushers down there in Jacksonville. Uh, and so that is my my big, big, big concern. You know, you, they've got you know, Trayvon Walker and I Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen could just absolutely destroy and like good good players they're on that defensive line you you got to be ready for it i just i'm a little concerned about the defensive line versus the colts offensive line and so i hope that they get that figured out and they get specifically matt ryan and ryan kelly get that that center snap figured out because matt ryan is I, i don't know what happened there like he's a veteran quarterback you shouldn't have three snaps that get bobbled and put on the ground. Like that was one of his sacks or I think both of his, one of his sacks maybe was just that. But yeah, it was, it was not great. And so that's something I'm, I'm a little concerned about now on the flip side, I'm very excited to see Jonathan Taylor play in this game. I'm very excited to see Michael Pittman and you know, it, it's a kind of a sneaky thing here, but I'm really thinking that Paris Campbell Will have a, has a potential to have a big game, as do I think that Alec Pierce has a chance to have a big game here. And I think Alec Pierce, they're going to try to feed him the ball a little bit more because he had that drop, that drop against Houston that we all know. He had that that drop in the end zone. It was an easy touchdown. Like, I'm again, I'm a former wide receiver. So, like, when that ball hits you in the hands like that, and you're running free and you don't have a defender draped all over you, like you don't get that back. And that sticks with you. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's able to 
move on from that or use that and learn from it and become a better player because of it. I also think that you're going to see an opportunity for Kylan Granson to have kind of a, a surprisingly big game because they're going to be sending a lot of rushers in there. And like they've got some athletic linebackers that can cover. But I think that Kylan Granson's going to have an opportunity to play very, very well. The reason why I mentioned that the why I mentioned Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce, though, is when you look at what Washington did, you look at Terry McLaurin and you compare that to some of the other guys. So Terry McLaurin, who's Washington's number one wide receiver, even though Antonio Gibson, the running back, had more more catches, which is kind of wild to me, given how little Carson Wentz likes to throw the running back. But Terry McLaurin was the next leading receiver. He had two catches for 59, 58 yards. Then after that, you had Curtis Samuel, who is mainly the slot opposite guy, had eight. And then you had Logan Thomas, tight end. He had three. Then you had Johan Dotson, had three for 40 and two touchdowns. I think you're going to see an opportunity for that second, third wide receiver, that that other wide receiver and that slot wide receiver and the tight end to really have an opportunity to have a big game. So those are the guys that I'm really looking towards in this game to see if they're going to really show out in there. And so those are the big keys for me leading into it. I, I'm interested to see how this goes in terms of whether Shaq Leonard's back, because again, that changes the entire defense for the Colts. If Shaq Leonard plays, that's a big thing. The other news I want to cover, obviously it, at this point, you guys, everybody's already heard Rodrigo Blankenship was cut by the Colts. So that's shouldn't be surprising to anybody. That was uh, first reported by Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, I believe. And then uh, he also reported that the, the Colts signed Chase McClellan or Claughlin. I, I really am never going to be able to pronounce that last name because I know Scott McLuhan, the former Redskins general manager. And then I've seen like Sarah McLaughlin, which obviously whenever you look at an animal, like that song plays in your head, any of them really. Uh, and then Lucas Havrasik, uh to the practice squad. So one of those guys is going to be the Colts kicker this week. They went ahead and uh, put Tony Brown on the active roster. One of those kickers, though, is going to be the guy, Chase McLuhan, McLaughlin, whatever. He played for the Colts. If, if you guys remember, he had a, a short stint with the Colts for four games when Adam and Terry got injured at the end of the year in, in 2019. He ended up kicking, I think, like a handful of kicks. Uh, he was 83% on that. So, like, not great, not terrible. He was just he was a, a reliable kicker, and he's got a big leg. Lucas Haversick is rookie. I want to say he's an undrafted free agent, like rookie out of Arizona. There's a a video of him, if you go to his page, of him booming a 70-yard kick and putting it straight down the middle through the uprights. I have no idea how many takes it took for him to get that kick in because everything I've heard is he's got like a Pac McAfee-style boomstick of a leg in terms of the distance that he can get, but his accuracy maybe, you know, leaves a little to be determined. So we're going to see how that turns out. You know, I wish, yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship the best. Uh, I, I hope he gets another opportunity. I hope he gets whatever yips he's got figured out. I really think that he is a good guy. It's just... He had a lot of things compound on him, and the last two times Colts fans remember him were the Baltimore game from last year 
where he basically single-footedly lost that game for the Colts, which, of course, would have put them in the playoffs without having to win that last week in Jacksonville, and they would have been locked in the playoffs. And then this game against the Houston Texans, where he had two kickoffs consecutively that went out of bounds and then missed a just absolutely vanderjacked a 42-yard game-winning field goal against a divisional opponent on the road in a dome. Like, you just can't do that. And so I feel feel for him. I hope that things get better for him in the future and that he gets an opportunity somewhere else. But I am kind of – it was inevitable. Uh, like Thanos, it was inevitable. He was inevitable in terms of being cut. I feel for him. I hope that he gets an opportunity somewhere else. But I'm glad that the Colts decided to move on rather than prolonging the situation and making people – ask that question about him and why he's on the roster. So I'm excited for the Colts going forward. You can come out of this week and say, yeah, the Colts are undefeated, but you know, they're also winless. So we'll see what happens. They are, however, on top of the AFC South. So that's something to be uh, happy about. I, I'm, I guess like you just come out and you're just like, meh, like how, I don't know how I feel about this. They're just, they happen to be there. So we're excited. You know, they are half a game in front of the Tennessee Titans who just blew a a game to the New York football giants. Uh, The giants, I I Brian dabble in that game. I don't know if anybody saw it. The end went for two with like under two minutes left. And so I thought that was a ballsy play. They were up there. They were down 19 to 20 ended up going to making the, the two point conversion going up 21, 20, and then whoever the Tennessee kicker is, I don't even know anymore. But he came in, missed the field goal from like 49 yards, which again, NFL kickers from 49 and in should be pretty automatic if you get a clean hold, clean snap. And so I was excited to see them. And then obviously Jacksonville lost to, to Washington, which is also good for the Colts because again, as long as Washington keeps winning, Carson Wentz keeps playing. And if Carson Wentz keeps playing, then the Colts end up getting their second round pick. So anyway, that's it for this inaugural episode of the 2022 season for a very stable podcast. I'm happy to help you out on your hump day and get through this and look forward to next week. Look back at last week and just kind of do a whole big recap show on this. This is what we're going to do like every Wednesday. So again, Give me a follow on Twitter at NiceReadSteve. That's Reed, R-E-E-D. Follow us over at Stampede Blue. Check out the website. We've got a lot of great new contributors uh, there to the website. David Walker, Rashad McGinnis, uh, Destin Adams. We've got a whole lot of guys, You know, Chris Shepard, Chris Blystone, Jared Malott, Brett Mock. We've got a whole lot of guys. I'm sorry if I've left anybody out in there, but we've got a lot of great contributors there at Stampede Blue. So give us a follow. Give us a listen. Check us out on the website. Remember to this podcast, five stars, wherever you listen to your podcast. And I just want to say, have a happy hump day. I hope you guys look forward to this next week. And we're looking forward to a Colts win. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic day. I can't wait to talk with you again next week.